Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk and video format as well, which is available on YouTube. And today's episode is time management and work-life balance, how it's hurting your health, and really here's how to fix it. Because as I said a couple episodes ago, we don't want to focus always on the problem. In fact, what we really want to be doing is focusing on a solution. So while we understand the problems and we should understand what, what it is that we're trying to fix, we should be trying to focus our attention on how we can make it better. All right, because a lot of medicine, what we do now is we focus so much on the problems and we are not looking at any potential solutions. So this today is going to give some background here, and then we're going to provide you some solutions and some fix-its tips at the end. All right, so what is work-life balance? What is that we're going to talk about here? Well, it's really this idea that somehow there's a balance between what we do, like our work, the careers that we have, the ambition that we have, and our lifestyle. And lifestyle becomes everything else. It includes things like how do we take care of ourselves, so our health, what we do for fun, uh, what we do with our families or that we have a family and the environment that we have at home. And even spiritually, what you, know, what you believe in, meaning in your life, the purpose that you have. Now, there's a perception, and I love that word perception. I use it quite a bit here, especially recently within the last 10 to 15 years, eh, maybe a little bit longer than that, that this whole idea of work-life balance is, is worsening, that somehow you know, we're not being balanced at home and we're not being able to balance our work demands with our home life. And whether that is because of technology or this blurring of boundaries, we see all this stuff, how email is, is, is really getting involved in our home lives and because of all these smart little computers that we have in our pockets and iPads and everything else, that there is no longer this, this boundary that supposedly exists between leaving your office and coming at home. Now, why is this important? Well... Because the perception, this perception of imbalance, when you are not being able to decrease the frequency of um, these stressful uh, events in our lives, you know, if you're carrying your work home with you all the time, it is perceived as stress and it causes health effects. If we talked about a couple episodes ago on how stress affects our body and how that we really propagate that stress response, how we make our bodies kind of basically go into overdrive and start attacking it. And we, you know, as we said a couple episodes ago, it really comes down to the frequency, how often that we're having these stressors in our life, the perception that we have, because that really increases or decreases the intensity of our stress response. And then our ability to deal with stress. Like, do we have the coping mechanisms, the skills uh, uh, to deal with these events? Now, here's the problem with work stress. So, Overall, roughly four out of every 10 people rate their jobs as very or extremely stressful. Now, that is an average, and that's taking everyone. There are some careers where it is significantly worse than that. If you look at physicians, our profession is one of the worst rated uh, when it looks at stress and burnout. If you look at people who have other very demanding roles, such as firemen, uh, police officers, air traffic controllers, you know, soldiers in war zones, and even at home when they have frequent deployments, um, the stress is profound. 
And when you work in a highly stress-related environment, someplace where you have these high demands upon you, you have a three times greater rate of stress-related conditions. Now, as we also touched about a couple a couple episodes ago, stress permeates everything in our lives. So if you 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 know when you're getting these things, when you have this fight or flight response, is really what stress creates. It, it causes your body to get ready to either fight off that cave bear or run from it. And because of that, you know, the blood flow goes to different areas in your body. You know, it doesn't go to your guts, doesn't go to your reproductive organs. So there's problems people have with pregnancy. There's problems people have with things like irritable bowel disease. But it's more than that because it also induces a, what we can call as an inflammation response. It's this this idea, you know, you, the little lizard brain in your head can't distinguish between just you know, too many emails in, a, in an overpowering boss and the cave bear. And so it's like, you know, something's happening. We got to be ready to fight off if we get cut or bit by something. So let's get the immune system involved. And we're also let's start up our healing mechanisms, which is this process of inflammation where we send out things that are supposed to clot our blood and, and uh, repair our blood vessels and our skin and things like that. Now, when you don't have any damage, though, and that goes on all the time, it's like calling out your soldiers over and over again. That's your immune system. They stop responding. They stop there. You know, they become tired. You know, your immune system gets weaker and weaker. That can has a host of different problems about that. You get sicker easier. There are immune-related diseases that we start seeing uh, for the inflammation when we're trying to, you know, that repair mechanism. When it is, is on too often and for too long, that causes things like heart disease. That causes things like or, or increases in things like inflammatory bowel disease. And even worse than that, because there is other conditions as well. It can, it's associated with depression. It's associated with insomnia. Not being able to sleep increases perception of stress and becomes this wicked and downward spiral. And it is extraordinarily harmful on your body. Now, just from a financial standpoint, the more stressed you are and the worse that you view your, your work stress at life, uh, you're twice as likely to quit your job and, that can, and then put some financial stressors on. And as we said, stress leads to such things as fatigue. It leads to burnout. And just the fatigue and burnout alone then, outside of the physical effects of stress, that causes more stress because you're no longer performing at the level that you could have been or that you that you really need to be performing at. Then people start to, you know, if your boss is ragging on you or your family's ragging on you, you know, just going into this wicked downward spiral and starts worsening and worsening over in time. So here's this thing. We have this imbalance, though, this perception of imbalance, or at least people write about it in all these different journals and things saying that we have work life and we have life life and that we're not being able to separate them effectively. And because of this, we're seeing all the stress and fatigue and burnout and horrible, awful things. Now, the problem is, though, is why is this idea, this actual idea of work-life balance harmful in and of itself? Why is it not leading us to a solution? Well, here it is. is how do we separate work from life? Because they're not different things. Work really is a part of life. Life is the, you know, our entire experience from the time that we're born until that we, we die. It's this whole big spectrum and continuity in there. And work is a vital piece of that. It fits within this whole universe of life that we live in. So you can't separate them. And if we're not able to separate them, then we're focusing our attention on how to fix these things or make it better. It won't be effective. Because our job interrelates with our home life, our home life interrupt, you know, interacts with our leisure activities and the things that we do for fun and enjoyment. This is really life. It's everything that we have. 
Now, I have a little video of this that I'm doing as well, and I wish I could have, you know, I'm not very good technology-wise, but I, ha I have these bubbles. One shows job, one shows home, one shows leisure activities, and those really should be moving. You know, one will get bigger, bigger over time. There's going to be times when your job is going to become much more intense that you're going to need more requirements there, and other times when it's going to be your home life. Say that you just got married or you're moved, you have a new baby or or, uh, you know, your children, or there's something else going on there. And then there's some other times when leisure activities are going to be predominant, and that is going to assume a greater role in your life, and those other ones are going to shrink down. And these are in constant flux. They are not static. They're, you know, changing all the time. When things are changing all the time like that, you cannot balance them because you cannot, you know, there's no arbitrary number for them. So while they're overlapping and changing and never in balance here, it's not what we have this, this lack of balance in our life. It's not a lack of balance between our work and our home and what we're doing for fun. What we're really missing here is a balance in our priorities. Okay, so priorities are something that we have control over. And so when we're really talking about work-life balance, what we're really should be saying instead is this is life management. And it's not just life management. Life management really comes down to priority management. And the key for priority, man, priority management, the reason that it gives us at least some idea of control, and we talked about last episode on how this perception of control and mastery experiences and being able to actually feel like you're influencing your, your, your environment, priority management recognizes this. It recognizes what's important in your life. And because of this, you can now align, if you recognize what those things that are important are, you can align those priorities with what it is that you want. And once you know what's important, and you know what you want, then the life starts falling into place. You know, obviously it is much more difficult to that, but, but just because something is, you know, difficult to do does not mean that the concept that we, that we use to understand it can't be simple. And this is a very simple concept. Is it a little bit, is it difficult to, to, to do sometimes? Absolutely. But we first must get this concept down. Now, how is it that we prioritize things? Well, there's three main issues with that. First, you have to know who you are, right? who you are really. Then you have to know what it is that you want. You know, and people think that's a silly question at times, but how often have you asked yourself, what do I really want? In whatever you're doing today, is that actually leading to where you really want to go? And then lastly, and I'm going to come back to the want and who you are thing a little second, but I just want to touch on, you have to understand that you can change. And the last episode that we did, we're talking about mindset and, uh, you know, efficacy and mastery. The reason that that is so important is because we have to understand that we can change. We can change ourselves. We can change the situations that we're in. Is this easy? Absolutely not. Do people come from extraordinary difficult backgrounds, have all sorts of hardships? Absolutely, they do. But the difficulty is when we assume, we assume we're coming from this background. We're, we've come from an upset home life. We come from, a, uh, we don't have a lot of money growing up. You know, our parents were divorced or whatever the case may be, that we are stuck in that system and we cannot escape for, from it. 
Or even worse, we believe that somehow in these innate abilities, that because of our genetics, it determines how smart you are or how, you know, what your abilities are, that you are just not good at something, you cannot figure anything out, and you're stuck into your, you know, a dead-end job, or you've put too much time into your job, and so you cannot change it, all right? Some people think, well, how could that be? Well, I'll tell you from a physician standpoint, there are a lot of physicians out there that have spent so much time and in, and in so much debt that they feel trapped in the role that they have, that really they're not doing exactly what they want, okay, if they even understand what they want, and they're not living what, with who they are, and that has to do with managed care and things like that. I mean, I just talked to, uh, I was interviewed on a podcast uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, it's going to come out, and I'll let you guys know about that in the future, uh, and we talked a little bit about that because doctors go into medicine, the vast majority of doctors go into medical school because they want to help people. And over the course of medical school and residency and further training and getting in these environments where you have managed care and things, that that ability to actually feel like you're actually helping people uh, becomes much less. And what we become is we start treating sickness and we start doing all these massive, you know, I've talked about before, we're cutting, poking and drugging people. And we're just sort of covering up and patching up sickness and getting people out the door because that's what the model has. Now, there are some physicians, and just like there's other people that are escaping this, that are, you know, particularly some primary care physicians that are recognizing that they can have relationships with their patients. They just have to get themselves out of the system. But that takes some thought. It has to realize that, hey, I'm not stuck in this role. I can change. I don't want to practice like this. This is not who I am. I want to help people, and I want to have a, a better system and a better sense of controlling doing it. And they're going into something called... Uh, managed care, or not, I'm sorry, not managed care, but direct primary care. We're kind of getting out of the, the insurance system completely. There's been some really interesting stuff going on in Vegas uh, with turntable health and, um, uh, you know, Medline, these other sort of direct primary care models, which people in the past used to assume were more for, uh, you know, wealthy people and elite, but they're becoming much, much more affordable. They're providing care in a way that the physician's feeling like they're making a difference and patients are feeling better taken care of. And actually, they're getting a little bit better at the root of the disease. Or you're addressing, you know, you can uh, address behavioral and lifestyle changes when you don't have to spend only five minutes in an appointment. All right, so that was a little off topic, though. A little bit, you know, important to me, though, is you can't prioritize things if you know who you are, what you want. And that last one is critical that you realize that you can change. Now, how do you determine who you are and what do you want? Again, that sounds simple. Unless you stop, and I, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, just stop it and think about that. Who are you and what do you want? And stop the podcast and just sit down, give yourself 20, 30 seconds, and just start listing things out, whether in your head or on a, on a piece of paper. Uh, and if, you know, a lot of times people will find that they get stuck relatively quickly because we don't spend a lot of time doing this. And it really is a process, and it takes some degree of self-reflection. And you have to recognize what, you know, the desires that you have are, what it is that you like to do, what it is that you want, and what are the things that you actually need. And those are very different oftentimes. We often think that wants are needs or needs are wants, and they're not. You know, there's certain things that you need, and there's usually much less of those. And there's a lot of things that we want at times, uh, but, but those are usually not needs. And then lastly, what are the goals that we have? What is it that we are actually trying to accomplish? That to accomplish today, tomorrow, 90 days from now, a year, two years? What is it that you want your life to mean? What is it that you want to provide an example for, for your family, for your friends? You know, accomplishes for the world. What kind of meaning is it that you want to 
provide. And then it really helps to write these things down. Okay, because if they're not written down, we have a tendency to forget these things. And as you get older, like I am, you forget them more frequently. And once they're written down, though, then you can come back and review and revise them. And what this does is it defines what success means to you. And once you know what that success is, and that success can be anything. You don't have to be a Richard Branson trying to, you know, open, I don't know how many companies he has now, or, uh, um, you know, someone trying to, to change the entire world. Your success can be that you have successful children, that you, you are providing your kids, and, and, and when I'm saying successful children, children that are adaptive, children that are they're strong, children that, that uh, um, have strong self-esteem, that can go out and live in an environment that can, that can uh, support children of their own and really interact with society in, in a way that is uh, form, you know, contributory to everyone. So that we build better, better societies. Things. So I'm again, your success doesn't have to be this monetary thing. It doesn't have to be this this world changing thing. We can focus on things just in our community. We can focus on things just with, you know, our homes, our families, you know, or even our pets. I know I have friends that you know have have this love of pets and uh, other people that do rescue organizations and are and have really made it a mission in their life that they're trying to take care of these animals. But what this does is if you understand it, you've defined it, and you've written it down, is it gives you something to work towards every day. And what we find then with priority management is it increases perceived control. Again, that word comes up, that perception of control, that ability to think that you are making a change, that you're influencing your environment, which is we touched on, uh, I think, last episode. This is really critical for both how much stress uh, or that stress response is released in your body and a sense of fulfillment as well. It also increases personal accountability. It lets us start focusing more on me actions versus you actions, meaning I'm responsible. If I want to change things, I can do it. And I'm not sitting in this, you know, waiting for somebody else to do everything for me. That is a very dangerous attitude to have because I kind of like, you know, when I talk about stress, sometimes I, I talk about this boat. And if you're in this boat and you believe that every you know, responsibility or that there's nothing that you can do for yourself, your boat has no sails, it has no oars, it has no rudder, it has nothing. You're just in this, this, this you know, ocean of stress and life circumstances and you're getting tossed around because there's a, a viewpoint, this external, what we call external locus of control or belief that there, everybody else around you is the people who influence your life rather than what is known as an internal locus of control, which is you know this idea this 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 idea that you have an impact on your environment. As I said, it's not so much that you can; it's really that you perceive that you can. It also allows you to set boundaries because if you know that you're trying to reach something, or that if your boundaries are to save money and uh, I don't know go to school, or or you really want to change jobs and you're you're working hard, and so your time becomes. Uh, more difficult or you have less time because maybe you're taking classes after after um, after work it allows you to set boundaries and firm boundaries so that you can say no and being able to say no is a, is a important skill you know it's probably more important in a lot of ways than saying yes because being able to say no frees you to do what you need to do so you can say no I'm not going to buy that I need to save that money for whatever or no I can't join you after work at um at the restaurant and going out to dinner or going to visit the guys at the bar because you have a other priority that you want to fulfill, right? 
and boundaries actually felt uh, makes us feel better in a lot of ways. And and uh, this took me years to understand because for a long time, I thought that if I you know set boundaries or if I or tried to commit to a course of action, it would really take me away uh, from other potential little opportunities that may come up, or this idea that um, you know free living, so you can just do whatever it is that you need to do. Well, I'll tell you, being free, free living and doing whatever you need to do isn't that satisfying because you never seem to move anywhere. And having those next boundaries, it makes it easier to not only say no, but when you explain to people, hey, I'm trying to work towards this, if your friends are good and really want you to improve, then they're like, they respect you for that. And that uh, is a nice feeling. The other thing that it does is it focuses your effort. And so instead of saying, you know, you're spinning your wheels and trying to do a hundred different things at once, you can focus your effort on those things that manage the most or mean the most for you. Focused effort can move you forward. As you do this, you gain experience. As you gain experience, it improves the efficiency and effectiveness of whatever you're doing. And as you get better, it starts building momentum. It starts feeling good. And lastly, if you don't choose, if you don't choose to manage your priorities, whatever those priorities may be, someone else will choose for you. All right. We all go through this big game of life. All are going to go through it. Right. There are choices that have to be made, though. And if you say that you're not going to make these choices or that someone else is going to be responsible for your choices, then you're exactly right. They will choose for you. And whose priorities do you think that they're going to make your choices for? Yours or theirs? All right, so this was a little bit shorter in some ways in some episodes. Um, it is a very important health topic, I will. I just have to say, because there is all this idea between work-life balance, and, and you see that term spouted all over the place. But if the term itself is fundamentally wrong, then we're not going to be able to identify a good solution. And so my goal with this episode was that we kind of get away from that. Let's stop talking about work-life balance, and let's start talking more about priority management and really taking control of our lives, and by doing so, taking control of our health. All right, thank you all so much. It is always a pleasure. Uh, hit me at straightshothealth.com if you have any questions or comments, and I will see you in another week. Stay well, guys.